You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Rusty Morrison. She's the publisher of Omnidom Press. Thank you for joining me, Rusty. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. Rusty, uh, you know, I spoke with you a couple years ago, and, and we talked a little bit about Paraspheres and about your poetry offerings, and you guys are going great guns. I am just amazed well, thank that you. poetry is doing so well in the 21st century. Uh, how does that happen? Well, uh, I think that uh, we've been lucky in that uh, wonderful people have been willing to work with us. Uh, Every author, every poet whom we've worked with has been generous and wonderfully creative. And uh, so we have been, you know, and then I think word gets around that if we have a good relationship with someone, then more people are willing to come in uh, to the fold. And so... Uh, you know, we will also work very hard. We don't have children. Um, we just seem to spend night and day here working on the press, but we love it, and so it feeds us in that way. Talk about um, some of the uh, authors who have come to you. In, the, in you know, the last year, you have a new book, Tracer, by Richard Greenfield, and yes. Penury by Myung Mi Kim. Uh, how did you find these two authors? And talk a little bit about, you know, bringing the books from the first time the author talked to you to the finished books. Sure. With uh, um, Tracer, actually, uh, Richard Greenfield's book came in uh, through our um, uh, uh, open submission period, and uh, which we don't do every year now because we are such a small press that if we... Uh, you know, we end up having, we can only take something like four to six books a year, and so mm-hmm. I end up taking books, we take books that we love, and then we end up with too many books ahead ahead of ourselves. So <laughs> we're not opening to uh, an unsolicited submission period this year, but probably we will again next year. Mm-hmm. But Richard's manuscript uh, was one of, oh, I think maybe two or three hundred manuscripts I read that year, and it just rose to the top. Uh, at such a it's such it's such powerful work, such interesting work, such lyricism, and you know I have to admit that what I what I do and what we do here is we just pick what we love, and uh, uh, he fit all of my um, desires to have something very politically alive, but um, but not in the sense of trying to tell anyone what to believe or what not to believe, and so um, and gorgeously lyric, interesting language. I think that one of the bottom lines for Omnidon is uh, we like to see the language dawning into a new place. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, if I feel my mind opening up, uh, you know, not to play too hard on the sunrise motif, but, you know, if I feel something rising up inside me when I'm reading a work, then that's the work that I want. And so much of the work that I read is uh, well-crafted, interesting, following uh, the kinds of work that I think, well, this is quote-unquote good work, but, but there's an, there was an aliveness to Richard's book that is the kind of book that, that, that we wanted. And so that's why we took it. And then we work closely with the author and uh, just take it through every step, making sure that, they're, that the author's happy. With Myung, uh, I was very lucky in that, that Myung is a friend of Elizabeth Robinson's who has published with us and who is our chapbook contest 
judge right now, and mm-hmm. Elizabeth uh, suggested that Myung might consider sending it to us, which was amazingly marvelous for us. And as soon as I read that work, again, it's a work that's uh, exciting, alive, both to um, our cultural and social political concerns and to really moving the language, really moving me emotionally and intellectually at the same time. So. Talk about, um, when you have these books of poetry, talk about, uh, you know, you, you participate a lot in the Bay Area liter- literary scene. I do. And do a lot of uh, live events. Talk about uh, creating these books of poetry and then taking them out into the literary scene and actually selling them. Uh, <laughs> the selling. Um, y- you know, we, we know that a, pu- a publishing uh, operation, especially in this day and age, is not going to make money per se, but we want to see the books read and we want to see the books appreciated by the community. And, of mm-hmm. course, that serves us because that means that the books sell. But we work hard to have, uh, you know, uh, events where our authors can, um, can be part of the community. We always put out a lot of food and wine and goodies to bring people forward. And we like to have readings at, at our favorite independent bookstores like Moe's. Uh, and Moe's has been really generous in saying that we're, when, when Omnidon comes in, we get a big crowd. They're, we're one of their favorite uh, events because uh, you're ne- there's, no, there's never an empty seat or an empty corner in the room when we put on a reading. Because, and it's partly because we're really lucky to have the people that we have. You know. uh, but you know, I think the Bay Area community knows that when we bring something out, we're going to put, it, we're going to put on a good show and they can expect uh, to have an entertaining time, and they can expect to go home with a beautiful book. And so we've been lucky in that way. Uh, and Ken feels very strongly that it's important to advertise our books widely. Mm-hmm. And so we do, I think, more than maybe some pr- small presses, spend quite a bit of money on advertising. Where do you advertise? We advertise in... Are you actually online, honey? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to bring Ken on because mm-hmm. he's the advertising man here. Uh, so. And we're actually uh, I'm speaking live with Ken Keegan here. You hear me? Yeah. You hear me okay. Mm-hmm. Good. So where do we advertise, Ken? We advertise in Poets and Writers, American Book Review, American Poetry Review, Rain Taxi. Those are the big ones. We also Poetry do Flash. Poetry yeah. Flash. We 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 do other ones. We do every Poetry Flash that comes out, but that doesn't happen all the time. And we uh, we uh, uh, advertise in conjunctions in Boston Review sometimes, in Chicago Review sometimes, and various other places. But those are the main ones are poets and writers, uh, APR and uh, ABR and uh, Rain Taxi. And with those, we we have an ad, uh, either a three quarter page or half page ad in every issue. Wow! So um, it's not only the locations, but it's the size of the ads and it's the con- continuity. Um, so you know you're going to be able to look in the deadline section in poets and writers and see a half page or two half page spread of you know what's happening. It strikes me um, when you were talking about your live shows and, and just getting out there and getting the books to people. It reminds me a bit of the way that uh, you know small independent rock bands work in terms of getting their their work out. The the importance of the live event, and it's nice to see that uh, people are, are coming to and using literary live events because we always think of you know you sit alone in your garret and write poetry, then you sit alone in your room and read it. But it's nice to see literature taken into a more public space. Yeah, and we're probably going to be doing more of that. We uh, we're probably going to we're talking about having regular readings in other cities and, and, and having people come out to them. We're going to see how, what the interest is. We're going to 
we're planning on starting something in New York where we we have <coughs> we're going to set up a, some kind of a reading and, and invite or you know, find out who can make what dates, you know, and then see if we can set up something for those dates somewhere in the New York city area, and uh, and then we'll have a big event out there with all of our normal spread of food and everything else. Well, that sounds like fun. Now, one of the new books that that's just come out is uh, The Illuminations by Arthur Rambeau, uh, translated by Donald Ravel. This is a, a fascinating book. I love Rambeau, and it's, and it's nice to, to see him come back into, into uh, print again. Yeah, and he's, uh, I mean, he's always been really popular, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, what Donald does is just spectacular with him, I think. We, just, we love the translations, and so is Penn USA. They, they, the, his previous book won the uh, Penn With book, us, our first... With our, um, with our the translation of, of A Season in Hell, won the Penn USA 2008 uh, Translation Award. And then we, uh, <coughs> this one is, uh, is we're entering, we entered it into uh, last year's Penn USA. You never know. <laughs> we won't know that until December or, or November or something like that. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, <coughs> but uh, we've done well with translations. Our, our, we took, also took the 2009 translation, Penn USA Translation Award with our holder list. Yeah, t- talk about uh, Fr- Friedrich Holderlin. That name's not familiar to me. Uh, what made you choose him and uh, retranslate him again? <coughs> well, we can't take credit for that, I don't think. We, mm. we have, people come to us with translations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and say, you know, I have a translation of Holderlin. Are you interested? And in this case, it was Paul Hoover and Maxine Chernoff, and they are people that we know well and are good friends. And, and, and of course, we published, we published, before. Yeah, pub, pub, we published pub. Paul before. And so it was a natural. And Holderlin is, is uh, a lot of people don't know about Holderlin, but he's really more influential in his period than his contemporaries, contemporaries Goethe and Schiller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's, uh, he's had more influence, more people that, that went on to become famous poets and writers in Germany. Nietzsche, for example, a philosopher. Were more influenced by him than, mm. than they were by Goethe and Schiller. And so very exciting for us to have Maxine and Paul, who we consider excellent writers, uh, literary <coughs> poets, come to Holderlin and, and bring us a, a, a really beautiful modern translation. And, uh, and we, of course, know that Hamburger's translation is the most popular and esteemed. But to see, to, to, to see it uh, translated again in ways that I think we, we think it's an amazing translation, and we were so grateful to receive the Penn USA for it, because it, it was a bit of a risk to publish as large a book as it is, and to mm-hmm. publish a translation of Holderlin when there is a, a seminal translation out there, Hamburger has been reissued and reissued and reissued, so to, uh, I mean, we were taking a risk, but we trust Maxine and Paul, and we also had, had uh, some... Uh, excellent German uh, readers take a look at it and thought, this is a risk worth taking. So um, we're glad we did it. Your, your website seems to play a big part in your business plan and your artistic plan, and that's kind of unusual, I think. Talk about the, creating the Omnidon website and the blog. You update that regularly. That's a lot of work, and you have a lot of interesting contributors. The, uh, the blog, uh, you know, we really can't take credit for a lot of this stuff. We have a, a, a fantastic staff, staff here. Mm-hmm. Craig uh, Santos Perez, whose, whose book we just came out with, uh, Sena uh, from Unincorporated Ter- Territory, Sena, 
is, uh, is, is our blog editor. And mm-hmm. he does a spectacular job on that blog, coordinating everything, getting everything up. And I, I basically, we basically have turned him loose. Well, of course, what, what we do do is, is we select all the poems go out, that go up on the feature. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we screen all the material. But what Craig does is he, he uh, does the design and he gets it up there and, um, and he fields all the information and makes sure that it goes up in a way that's timely and orderly. And he's, he and uh, actually Sarah Mumolo, who is another staff member, who's another one of our poetry editors, is now, they're now becoming more involved in, in the um, cultivation of uh, featured poets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, Ken and I are involved in the, the content, but really Ken's right. We have to give credit to Craig because he's, if we didn't have him uh, pulling it together and putting it up in the regular way he does, we couldn't. We just don't have enough heads and hands to, <laughs> to manage to do everything. And he's phenomenal. And I, I have to say, while we're talking about our staff, we just, we've got some really great people working for us, and, it's, and, it's, and they're, they're doing incredible jobs in, in all the various areas. So we're just, uh, you know, I could go over the list and, and probably should before we're through. Uh, but uh, at the moment, I won't. Uh, you know, you guys have pu- published uh, some, some prose works in a town called Mundo Marto and Skunk, a love story, and Paraspheres. I'm wondering if you will be bringing out any more. I- I'd love to see a sequel to Paraspheres. Well, Paraspheres is coming out with a We are coming out with a sequel. We've been very much delayed with this. Mm-hmm. Um, we... Last year was a was a brutal year for us in a lot of ways. We uh, are we had all kinds of issues with computers going down, with uh, just various things happening in our personal life, uh, construction issues with our house, repairs that had to be made. That family illness. Family illness. Rough year. <laughs> and, and on top of that, we what we did the year before we'd had we'd had our books come out in April. Our, so we split our books and we put them out in February and April and September. And, and we'd done that successfully in the past, but this time we just had so much problem getting reviews for the April books that we decided that was dangerous because it's Poetry Month and there's a lot of competition out there and mm-hmm. and we wanted to to take care of that and based on our our uh, schedule with our distributor they have two seasons one that starts in April and one that starts in September so we decided to push it out to June and so in summer we had all these books coming out and it was just an enormous load. And that's when our computers really went crazy and nuts. And we had three high-powered computers, and uh, I'm a <clears throat> I I have a lot of experience in computers, and we've had uh, I've worked in places where computers, a particular computer model, has some malfunction, some substandard component. Like one I, one IBM computer had substandard capacitors, and that whole model started dying all at once throughout the company. Well, that's what happened to us. We had these three computers that were very high-powered, and they all started dying at the same time. They were identical, and they all started dying, and it was something on the motherboard. We never did find out what, but we couldn't fix it, and uh, we just went nuts. And, <laughs> it was and not the best year. <clears throat> we decided it was, we'd had so many problems. You know, we spent so much time on, on these are PCs, and, and most people in the design world are on Macs, and we decided it was just, you know, we, since all of them went dead, we decided to cut over to Macs, and that wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a, it was a very hard year, and Things just took longer than they should have, and we got stretched way out. And uh, but Paris Fears too will rise. Will rise. <laughs> it's coming out and, uh, in a few months, and we're we're uh, we're getting back on track. And one of the things that happened is that that uh, I have been working full time up until last September, 
and uh, because there was less work where I was, and because at his day job, uh, and because I just we could, were just we were swamped. I just cut down to half time, and so I have a lot more time now. To, and we're beginning to catch up again and, and get everything back in shape. And we're we have increased our our staff, and and we're uh, we're able to. I think we're going to be we're going to be going just great by about the end of the summer. I think we'll be everything will be right back on track again. It would be amazing to actually mm-hmm. not be stressed all the time about deadlines. <laughs> I, I don't know that any small press actually manages that, but we're foolish enough to fantasize that we will achieve that. <laughs> you know, you know I wanted, mm-hmm. there was one thing I wanted to say about the features, because uh, on the blog, is that uh, it's a place where we really try to, uh, to cultivate poets whom, because we can only bring out a few books a year, but on the features with the blog, we can feature a single poet whom you know we previously might not have been familiar with, and put up a poem or two from that person, and just get a lot of diversity onto the Omnidon website, onto the Omnidon blog, and also give to whomever's out there interested um, a, a, a taste of, of a lot of different kinds of writing, all of which we support and are excited by. But it's just another way for us to um, to be part of a larger community of language and ideas. You know, one thing that uh, strikes me is that uh, your books are are rather well-designed, beautifully designed visually, Uh, and I know, Ken, that's uh, your domain. Could you talk about uh, working, do you work with the the writer as you design these books? Yes, and I want to say that I'm not the only one that's designed books. Our Mm -hmm. early books were were designed by Philip Crana, and and we've also had other uh, designers in there, most recently Jeff Clark, and I'm actually, we're actually uh, bringing on board a staff designer. So uh, you I'm, want to say I'm, her name? Uh, yeah, it's Tasha Glenn. Yeah. And uh, we're we're going. She's Tasha Glenn, and and she's going to be taking over most of the book design. And uh, one of the things that we do, and, and that I think is very different, I I think that we do really nice nice books, and and the and the and they're they're very attractive. We always use four color covers, and we use. Uh, the highest quality archival paper, and, and uh, everything is, is really well done. Always Green Press in this that, initiative, too. And Green mm-hmm. Press Initiative paper, and uh, we have the Green Press Initiative seal in all of our books since 2006, I believe. When they instituted it. <coughs> when the first time they, they started doing it. Anyway, we the, I think the main thing that we do that is very different than, than, uh, than a lot of presses is that we work very hard to make sure that the the author is very satisfied with the entire design process. So every step of it, we go and we say, here's some, here we, we show fonts and we say, you know, these are some fonts that we like and that we've used and that we have a lot of experience with and that you, you might like. But if you don't, you can go on the, on the web and you can go pick whatever font you want. And then and we we'll go buy it. and then we say, <laughs> let us know what you'd like in the way of cover art. And we We'll do our best to get it, and always get it. We had one that was a cocooning one that that we got wanted for one of our books, and we went through this. We jumped through so many hoops with these people, and uh, that that are in charge of the cocooning estate. And in the end, they kind of uh, snobbishly turned up their nose at us and said, "We don't think this is appropriate for a cocooning." And uh, that's one of our Penn USA winners, by the way, that one of the, the books that was turned down for that. Hmm. So uh, we're we're we are we. But we do our best to get the, the, the uh, gra- graphic that the, that the uh, poet wants. And then, through the entire design process, we work and we show every stage of the design 
and get every approval and ask for ideas and input. And and our the authors that we work with just love it. And then talk about the uh, our purpose mm -hmm. too is that the book becomes not only a book that we think is that we think is aesthetically pleasing, but that is the um, is the, the manifestation of what the author believes the uh, poems deserve or the fiction deserves. And that, that to us is, because Ken and I both feel that, that authors don't, I mean, I, I wish we could give authors more money. I wish there, was more, there were more ways to support authors in this culture, but at least we can make sure that the authors with whom we work or whom we publish can say, this book, to the best of my ability, has, to the best of our ability, epitomizes what I think gives the poems the best presentation. And, and that's very important. And, you know, with our new design person, we'll continue that process. We're Ken gonna, will oversee everything. We're mm -hmm. going to be, I will be working with, uh, with Tasha to uh, go over the process, and we will, we will have uh, conversations where all of us are there, Tasha and myself and the author. We'll, we'll, we'll go over, over every design decision. And, uh, and so that they're going to get the exact same treatment that they have always had with, with Omnidon. And, of course, that's true whether they, the, the author or the poet lives in the Bay Area or in New York. I mean, we just do these things over the phone and, and email, and so, you know, all things are possible. Could you talk about the uh, competition in the world of poetry? Do you guys have a lot of competition from bigger presses, um, you know, like Random House or, or other small presses? You know, well, I, I don't think, think we, we think of it as competition. Mm -hmm. well, I, don't, I don't think of it as competition yeah. with, our, with our peers, our, our other, the other small presses that, that uh, are around out there. The competition, I think, in the, in the publishing world, uh, we have to think in terms of the competition as being the big New York presses. Um, big uh, 25 or so New York presses that have been, it's hard to keep track because they've been kind of merged and conglomerized so much. I, I'm not sure exactly what the count is now. But the, the, these presses uh, live on, they, they basically do things like poetry and, uh, and, and uh, uh, mid-list fiction sort of as just a token effort. And they're mainly concerned with the big blockbusters. And mm -hmm. um, those are they tend to drown out the, the the good quality in all in so many areas when they do that, and the smaller presses kind of get tend to get drowned out. Fortunately, uh, we get an incredible amount of respect the small presses do in in places like APR and American Book Review and and the the the, the journals that we advertise in and that, that work with, with the small community, Boston Review and Chicago Review, and so it's it's. They, they're not very. They're, they're not totally effective in doing this. It's in the. It's as far as reviews go. When it goes to the bookstores, uh, you know, we're 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 the, the competition is the is the big you know blockbuster bookstores. You know, the Barnes and Noble and the Borders, and and uh, the, the because it's hard to get our books noticed there. Whereas the the, uh, the big uh, publishers can do, can do that. They can buy the space in those in those locations, the prime space, to to, to present books. And we can't afford to do that. And so our friends are the little independent bookstores, and unfortunately, they are getting blasted out of the water so much. You know, we, we just lost Cody's recently, and we we, we lost <coughs> Clean Well Lighted Place, and, and we, we 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 lose these all the time. And uh, fortunately, we we had Black Oak Books here in Berkeley seem to go under, and now it's reopened in a, another location, and we're in 
very happy to see that happen. Moe's, which has been a great friend to us, seems to be doing very well at this point. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. But, uh, but so many of these independent bookstores are not, and we, we have some others that are doing well and that are, are very supportive of us, incredibly supportive. And those, that's, that those, those bookstores are always in jeopardy, however, because they're being, for the most part, you know, clobbered by these, these big blockbuster bookstores. You, you take a look at, at um, in, <coughs> in, in Marin, um, and the name escapes me at the moment. Uh, I'll think of it in a second. But uh, Marin Bookstore, classic Marin Bookstore. It's been around forever. It's also in Book Passages. Book Passage. Yeah. Book Passage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and they, they, Barnes & Noble took, put a store just a little bit north of them and just a little bit south of them. So they would cut off. It was essentially with easier to go to the Barnes & Noble, and there was more books at the Barnes & Noble. And, and this, you know, you wonder if they can possibly survive. Now, I, I don't know how they've been doing lately, but it's just the tactics of the big corporations in order to get dominance, which is what these corporate guys try to do, is, is just ridiculous. And there's, there's no need to dominate like that. You, no. could, you know, it's, when you do that, that's predatory tactics. That's and we interesting. really see our, I mean, our, our allies are other independent presses because mm-hmm. each of us uh, is promoting, a, each, each individual book is a different book. Mm-hmm. I don't really see us in competition I don't, at I don't, all. Yeah, I don't know, think that, any, that if you go out there and you say, well, I, do I want an Omnidon book or do I want a fence book or do I want, uh, you know, whatever. It doesn't, that's it's not that kind of a decision. It's who, which poet do I want to read? You sure, know? Yeah, sure. It's, what, it's, what sort of poetry do I want to read? Right, right. exactly. And actually, the more poetry you read, the more poetry you want to read is my attitude. So if you buy the Fence book today or the New Directions book tomorrow, you might be more inclined to read the Omnidon book on the third day. So I really see us as helping each other because each, each press, I think, has its unique vision. And so by, by um, you know, the more presses, the more independent presses sell their books, the better off all the independent presses are, I think. I mean, one of the things that I do is uh, in the Bay Area, I send out, uh, every time I receive a, uh, um, an email about a reading in the area, I send it through the Omnidon local list mm-hmm. just to support my fellow community uh, members of presses because I think that we all, by supporting each other, will survive. As Ken says, we're, we're really up against the monster in many ways, and so we have to be wise and savvy and, and help each other. Yeah, yeah. The major problem is, is is certain personalities that would like to dominate. I'm thinking specifically of Rupert Murdoch and, and how he has bought so many publications and, and, and he's bought Fox News and he's trying to don he's trying to force his very conservative opinions on everyone and because he's got so much money he's been able to do that. And these are the people that we're in competition with. Well, I will wish you luck, and I think you're doing a great job. I've been speaking with Rusty Morrison and Ken Keegan. They're the publishers of Omnidon Press. Thank you for joining me, Rusty. Thank you very much. Absolutely. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.